Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good evening, and along with Peter and Paul, let me say a very happy new year to you. It's great to see you back after uh, the Christmas season. Uh, we begin a new series looking at uh, the book of Ephesians, and uh, do uh, turn to your Bibles, keep them open at uh, page 1171 in the Church Bibles, Ephesians chapter 1, and let me pray for all of us as we turn to God's Word together. Father, we have before us tonight extraordinary words. Uh, These words change everything. Father, please fill our hearts afresh with wonder and with joy. Uh, May we leave here rejoicing afresh in all that we have in Christ, every spiritual blessing. And we pray this, that as our hearts are stirred and we are moved to rejoice in all you've done, that we would bring you great glory in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I have a friend who loves to make plans. Uh, He had a plan that he wanted to become the CEO of a large company. And um, the largest company he could think of at the time was a pharmaceutical company. And so he realized that in order to become the CEO of this pharmaceutical company, he had to get a degree in biochemistry. Uh, So he worked towards that plan. He realized that to get a degree in biochemistry, he had to uh, choose the right A-levels. 
Uh, he realised that to do the right A-levels, uh, you guessed it, he had to choose the right GCSEs. And so aged 14, he had his whole life worked out uh, to become the CEO of this large company. He didn't make it, by the way, just in case you're wondering. Uh, My guess is most of us uh, don't plan our futures to that level of detail and clarity. Uh, At least I hope you don't. It's a bit uh, overwhelming. But um, as we stand here at the beginning of a brand new year, it's hard not to let our minds wander forward to the future and to think about what this year will hold for us. And I wonder what we hope will happen this year. What do we expect to happen? What are we working towards, aiming for? What do we long to happen in our lives and in the lives of those we know around us? Maybe some of us are hoping to do well in exams, maybe to head off to university. Others will hope for a promotion at work. Uh, Others will hope for a demotion at work. Maybe um, others will want to spend more time with family. Maybe we want to be uh, happier. Uh, Maybe some of us want to get out of bed on time. Uh, this year. Uh, I read this week that um, coming in at number five of the most common uh, New Year's resolutions is the desire to take better photographs. Uh, Maybe that's our great plan for this coming year. Uh, Tonight, as we begin our series looking at Ephesians, uh, we're going to hear about a plan, except this plan is a truly extraordinary plan. It is bigger, it is more ambitious, it is more world-changing and more glorious than any other plan out there. It is a plan that will outlast, outgrow, outplay, outsize any other project in this world. It is bigger, dare I say it, than any plan we might have personally for our lives. It is bigger even than democracy or socialism or capitalism. I'm talking, of course, about God's plan. You see, God does have a plan for the world. I I hope you know that. God has a plan for this world and for us. Uh, This world is not an accident. Uh, The unfolding of history is not random or rudderless. The future is not going to be boiled down to a series of coincidences because there is a sovereign Lord who has a plan for this world and his plan will come to pass. Between now and Easter, as we study together this extraordinary letter of Ephesians, we are going to encounter, I think, one of the most glorious explanations in all of Scripture of what this plan of God's is for the world. So what is this extraordinary, glorious plan of God's? Well, we saw it in our reading uh, from Ephesians 1. Look with me at verse 9 of Ephesians 1. Paul writes, And he, God, made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment. So what is this will, this plan that God will put into effect? Well, verse 10 continues. To bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. That is 
God's plan for the world. All powers and authorities and political structures and uh, people groups and culture, everything in, in heaven and on earth, together under the lordship and reign of the true head, Jesus Christ. And oh, how this world needs that plan. I don't need to remind you how divided and fractured this world is. We've seen it, haven't we, on our TV screens all of last year. A world of hostility, divided and fighting with one another. A world at odds with one another. How can this world of enmity be brought together under one head? Uh, Closer to home, a a number of years ago, David Cameron talked about, um, do you remember, um, Broken Britain? Uh, Five years ago, I think it was. He talked about the need for um, the big society to fix Broken Britain. Uh, He was right in one sense, that Britain is broken. Our communities are divided. People live uh, on their own, isolated, cut off from one another. Individualistic lives. But of course, he had no real solution. Uh, David Cameron's big society hasn't worked he hasn't spoken about it for years because it didn't do its job but in Ephesians we see a plan unveiled that will unite the worst of enemies it will create a new people of love and acceptance that will unite under one head Jesus Christ in the coming weeks as we look at this extraordinary letter Ephesians Uh, We're going to see how God is at work in this world now and in the future to bring about this plan of bringing all peoples together under one head. Uh, Tonight we see just the beginning of this plan. We we see how this plan uh, starts and how it is possible for individuals. Uh, We see in verse 1 that Paul is writing to Christians, uh, people who uh, trust and believe in the message about Jesus. And speaking about Christians, Paul says something Uh, truly extraordinary in verse 3. Look with me at verse 3. Paul says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Not bad news for the start of a new year. In fact, it it is extraordinary news, what Paul is saying here. Every spiritual blessing No matter how we feel at the start of this new year, whether the the coming year feels chaotic or or scary or stressful or or overwhelming, Paul says that as, as a Christian, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Not just a, a little dose of it or, or a small helping of it, or a scrap of it, but, but every spiritual blessing. But what does this blessing look like? What can we expect when we read verse 3? Are we allowed us to pick and choose what kind of blessings we want? Well, no, because Paul tells us in the, in the following verses what these spiritual blessings are. Uh, these verses are tremendously rich. They're wonderful. I, I won't be able to cover every detail tonight. But in essence, I think Paul is saying this. Uh, Christians have every spiritual blessing. Well, we, are, we are blessed because we have been caught up in God's global, eternal master plan for the world. That is the heart of what Paul means when he says that we have every spiritual blessing. We have been caught up in this wonderful, divine plan 
for the world. And as Paul thinks about this blessing, he is, he is euphoric. At verse at 3, down to verse 14, in fact, it is one sentence in the original. Paul is overflowing, he's bubbling, he's, just, he's dancing with joy as he thinks about what this spiritual blessing means for him and for us. And as the words flow out of Paul's uh, mind and mouth, uh, he, he's just uh, raptured with, with the joy of what Christ has done for us. And I think uh, he has three particular uh, time frames, time zones that he, he thinks about as his, his, as his joy overflows. Three, three snapshots of, of Christ's work in history. And I want to look at this one long euphoric sentence, uh, looking at those three snapshots of history to understand what Paul means when he says we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. And the first snapshot is the snapshot of eternity. Look at verse 4 with me. Paul writes, For he, God, chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Paul casts his eye back before the creation of the world before the beginning of time, back into eternity, if we can uh, contemplate that uh, moment. And as he does that, as he looks back into eternity past, before the creation of the world, he sees that God has an eternal plan for individual people. God chose, he predestined us personally individually and in case we miss the point it's there again in verse 11 where Paul writes in him we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will this is good news in fact this is brilliant earth shattering news These verses are here, I think, to make our hearts leap, to make us dance with joy. The creator of the entire universe, the one who holds the stars in his hands, has chosen each one of us personally, individually, before the beginning of time. He chose us. And this is not something sinister or scary because verse 5 says that God did this in love. He chose us in love. It is wonderful to be chosen in love. When a friend, when a friend rings you up and says, well, you know, do you fancy coming on for some food tonight? It's lovely to be chosen, to have a nice meal or something. We feel good about ourselves. We are known and we are brought in and we are accepted I can remember when um, my wife Lorna uh, agreed to marry me. I was overwhelmed that she was willing to spend her life with me. She, she had chosen me, if you like, in love. She had picked me out and she was willing to spend her life with me. Extraordinary, isn't it? But yet she said yes. How much more amazing is it to know that God has thought of each one of us and in love has chosen us, not just for a decade or for a lifetime, but for 
eternity. And this choice is no mistake. God is not going to change his mind or or try someone else in the future if it doesn't quite work out. Because uh, according to verse 11, this choice is all according to his plan. You see, we change our plans all the time. As I said, my friend didn't end up being a CEO. He's a missionary in Japan. Uh, We make uh, New Year's resolutions and then we break them within a couple of days often. Uh, We move around, we make friends, we forget friends. But God's plan is eternal. He made it before the creation of the world, before time began, and he keeps it through eternity in the future. When he chose us, he commits to us, and he will never forget us. And some of us here tonight really need to hear that truth afresh in our lives. I was just speaking to a friend a few weeks ago, uh, and he was describing to me uh, what had happened in his life over the last year, and it had been a dreadful time, extraordinarily difficult. Uh, He was left utterly perplexed by what was happening around him. He couldn't read God in the circumstances. He was uh, left with lots of feelings of regret about past decisions, He was wondering uh, whether they had kind of ruined his life now and in the future. Uh, He prayed, but God felt distant and remote. And he wondered what God was doing in all this. He wondered where God was and if God had forgotten him. Raw emotion, raw feelings. And there'll be some of us here tonight who are feeling just like that. As we start a new year, we look at what is coming at us this year and we just think, how will I get through? Where is God in this? He feels so far and distant. Well, know this, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. God has chosen us from eternity past. We are his in Christ, and he will not forget us. There is also further encouragement here for us. You see, the fact that God chose us before he created the world means that he chose us before we could do anything to impress him. We weren't even alive at that point. You see, we go around our lives trying to impress all kinds of people. We try to impress people with our uh, cleverness, with um, how we dress. Although some of you will be surprised to know that's uh, what I'm doing tonight. Uh, uh, We try to impress people at work with our competence, with our skills, with the way we can uh, juggle lots of things at once. And we try to impress lots of people. But we don't need to impress God. Because he decided to choose us before we were ever born before we did anything in this world, before we had any record of, uh, on our CV, nothing to bring to the table. And at that point, God chose us. And that is a wonderful thought, that our status before God does not hang by the thread of our performance or our competence. No, it rests in the security of his eternal choice. That's our first snapshot in time, eternity. God has chosen us before time to be part of his master plan for the world. Before I move on to our next snapshot, I know that talk about predestination and and God's choice can make some people feel uncomfortable, concerned. I'm aware that that questions come to our mind, questions like, why did God choose 
one person and not the other. Uh, Questions like, uh, what chance do people have if God hasn't chosen them? Uh, Questions about human responsibility. I know this is a real issue. There is mystery here tonight. We don't have, I think, all the answers. Uh, If you are particularly troubled by this, uh, do come and grab me afterwards. I'd love to speak to you in more depth. I don't leave here tonight uh, at sea and upset. But I would say this tonight before we move on, that the Bible consistently stresses two truths. On the one hand, the Bible says that God is ultimately and utterly sovereign over the world and over us. Uh, We are, according to Ephesians 2, we are dead in our transgressions and sins. And dead people cannot help themselves. It is only through God's initiative and his sovereign choice that anyone can put their trust in Jesus. God is utterly sovereign over those who are welcomed into his plan. He's the one who predestines and chooses. And that theme of God's utter sovereignty is a theme that runs right through scripture. We see it uh, with Abraham. With Moses, with King David, that is the consistent teaching of God's words. On the other hand, at the same time, and just as true, the Bible teaches that humans are utterly accountable. That we have to choose to put our trust in Christ. That we have a responsibility for how we live. Uh, The second half of Ephesians is full of uh, Paul's urging and appeal to us to live rightly. We have responsibility as humans. We can't sit back and say, well, you know, God's in charge. What can I do? No, Scripture says that humans are responsible and accountable. So we have these two truths, God's utter sovereignty and human responsibility. And both are taught time and again in the Scriptures. How do we hold these two together? I don't know. They're taught in scripture. Uh, They're there equally. We have to hold both of them equally. Um, I take it that to our finite human minds, we don't have all the answers to this mystery and complexity. But I take it that to God's infinite mind, he knows how these two truths fit together wonderfully and perfectly. Uh, There are things in life where we don't know how uh, uh, everything fits together. Let me give you one example. In the world of science, I don't know if this will work for you, but this is how my mind works. Uh, What is light? This is a classic illustration. What is light? Well, if you do a certain set of uh, tests, then light is a wave. You can diffract it through a a prism. If you do another set of uh, tests, we discover light is a particle. So what is light? It it can't be a wave and a particle at the same time, and yet it looks like that's what light is. So what do scientists do? Do they chuck it out all the experiments and say it's all rubbish? Well, no. They say uh, light is a wave and a particle. And what do they do? They do more research. They keep on thinking and working to find out how these two uh, realities fit together. So we live with this tension of not knowing how everything fits together in life. And we don't chuck everything away saying, well, it's all rubbish. No, we, we keep pushing on and keep learning, keep thinking. And that, I think, is true with these two truths of God's sovereignty and human responsibility. Perhaps this side of glory we won't know how these two fit together but I know the Lord in his utter wisdom has it all sorted out and perhaps one day we too will understand what he understands in the meantime we need to hold both of these together and I would say before we move on that this teaching on predestination it is not here to give us 
agony or to make us angry or concerned. No, it's here to make our hearts leap with joy. That is the purpose of this whole passage. If we don't leave here tonight rejoicing that God has called us and chosen us, that uh, we are secure in his will, then we have missed the teaching of Ephesians 1. That's eternity. And we, we must move on more quickly now to our next snapshot. Snapshot two, the past. Gradually inching forward, if you like. Uh, I had a gap year before I went to university. Uh, now, most people I know, when they go on a gap year, do something uh, glamorous and uh, crazy. You know, they go to uh, Australia or South America and go backpacking for six months. Uh, when they go to university, I, all my friends had amazing stories about all kinds of stuff they did whilst they were on the gap year. And they, they were interesting and fascinating people. In my gap year, I ended up doing a part-time business management course just outside Worcester. Um, and um, uh, that, was, that was fun. Um, I, <laughs> I can remember nothing about my business management course apart from how to read a profit and loss account. Uh, I gather you just look at the profit side and add up all the numbers, look at the loss side, add up all the numbers, and you see which number is bigger, and that gives you uh, the, the account details. Uh, you can tell I, I had lots of great stories to tell my uni friends uh, after my gap year. What would a profit and loss account look like? when a person becomes a Christian. Because when we become a Christian, that event does involve some losses and some gains. In verses five to eight, Paul turns his his mind's eye away from the wide sweep of eternity and he focuses particularly on the past. And not just any past, but on the particular moment when his readers and himself became Christians. And do you see the past tense Verse 6, he has freely given us glorious grace. Or verse 8, God's grace that he lavished on us, past tense. So in the past, when we became Christians, what are the losses that we experienced when this event happened? Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Losses. Well, we lose our enslavement to sin. To be redeemed means to be bought from one master by another master, a new master. We are bought from the the enslaving power of sin And we are redeemed by Jesus and we are now enslaved wonderfully to serve him. So we lose enslavement to sin. Uh, We also lose our sin. We lose any record of our self-centeredness, our our grumpiness, our pride, our our harsh words, our prayerlessness, our lovelessness towards God, our our judgmental attitudes, our, our faithless fear, our lust, our envy of other people's success. We lose all of it. We lose the blame we deserve for it. We lose the consequences for it. That is what we lose when we become Christians. What do we gain? What's in the prophet column? Verse five. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons. Adoption. 
being brought into the family of God. We gain the ability at any time, in any place, no matter what season of life we are in, no matter what we have done, we gain the ability to cry out to our Heavenly Father and to know that he hears us instantly and that he will act for our good and our well-being. When God calls us, he doesn't call us into some kind of awkward, frosty, distant family dynamic where conversation is difficult and we don't know quite what to do with ourselves. No, he calls us into a warm, loving, eternal family, the family of God. He is now our Father. It is not a bad profit and loss account, is it? In fact, it is mind-blowing when we become Christians. Uh, one helpful sign that shows us whether we have really grasped what Paul is saying to us, if we've really grasped how much we have lost and how much we've gained in the past when we became Christians, well, one marker is how much we praise God. Look at how much Paul praises God in this passage. Verse three, he begins, praise God. Verse six, to the praise of his glorious grace. Verse 12, for the praise of his glory. Verse 14, to the praise of his glory. Paul is full of praise because he sees back into the past and he wonders at what we have lost and what we have gained when we become Christians. We have every spiritual blessing if we look back into the past and we see what Christ has done for us. That is the past. Uh, Finally, there is one uh, final snapshot, our third snapshot. And finally, we look forward to the future. And that is Paul's final perspective. I've already hinted at this before, but as God's people, we have a new purpose in life. Uh, Remember verse 10, we read that, that God is bringing all things together under one head, even Christ. And when God chooses us, And when he adopts us and forgives us, he then brings us in to be part of that amazing global master plan. To be a Christian is to be a part of that plan. Which means that as a Christian, we have a new purpose in life. We have a new direction which goes beyond the daily routines of our lives. And it is such a blessing to know that we are part of something that matters, that is eternal, that will succeed Do you remember those uh, famous words from Shakespeare's Macbeth as Macbeth realizes that his plans are unraveling, that his life is falling apart? Uh, He says this famously, life's but a walking shadow, a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing. We may not put it as bluntly as that, but there can be a sense of futility in our lives. We throw our best efforts into our our relationships, our friendships, into our work, into our academic studies, and we don't get the results that we hoped for. Our life seems random. Our plans don't come to pass. And if you take God out of the equation, well, Macbeth was, was just about right. We are just idiots walking around in the world. 
Our lives do signify nothing. We are just atoms sloshing around, bumping into one another. It's all random and all pointless. But this is not how Paul sees the world. For there is a God, and this God has a plan, and wonderfully, we are now part of that master plan for the world. If work feels boring, if we feel trapped in the rut of uh, daily routines, if we feel hopeless and uninspired with life, then this week, spend time pondering Ephesians chapter 1 and pondering the fact that we have an extraordinary eternal new purpose in our lives, to be a part of bringing all things together under one head, even Christ. And we also have a wonderful inheritance to look forward to. Verse 13. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. The grave is not the end. Beyond the grave, we have a wonderful inheritance stretching forward into eternity in the future, being part of that new family, part of that eternal plan. I'm told that uh, 78% of all New Year's resolutions fail. But tonight, we've heard about God's master plan for the world and this plan will never fail as we start this new year let's let's start by praising God that he has revealed to us what he is up to in the world and that he has chosen to include us in that extraordinary plan let's pray Father, please help us. Would you work in our hearts by your spirit, that spirit given to us as a, as a seal? Please, would you open our eyes to be able to truly believe what this passage tells us? Would your spirit stir us as we leave here tonight? May we be overflowing with joy and thankfulness May we somehow get our heads around the extraordinary reality of what it means to be in Christ, to be chosen and loved and part of this extraordinary plan for the world. And Father, we pray this, that you would indeed be the one who gets all the honor and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.